0: I'm a Jonah Ray and sometimes I'm Ray. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the Nerds
2: Podcast. You know what's number What's ironic. Is seventy two. John Williams will receive no royalties <laughs> from the
0: ASP. <laughs> for what we just did. So, with that in mind, we'd like to thank ASCAP, who let us record the Paul Williams uh, podcast at the ASCAP offices. And uh, so, before we get to Paul Williams, I'll say that uh, a bunch of we're, we're all doing a bunch of shows at SF Sketchfest. I do believe the Nerds Podcast show is sold out. Oh, right. Um but, Who's our guest? Um, it'll be a surprise to even us. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, But I'm also doing the Revenge of the Nerds screening and then the Q&A with the cast. I'm doing Bring the Rock, and I'm also doing a live Sanjay and Craig reading the Saturday, February That's cool. 8th. That's That Saturday, cool. February 8th as well. I will be at uh, the uh, Lost Weekend Video Cinecave doing a live
2: Jonah radio with guest, Ben Garant, Mm -hmm. and uh, live band, The Manx, coming up from Los Angeles to perform. It's uh, live Jonah Radio. It should be a lot of fun. Nice. And then if you miss Jonah Radio in the afternoon, you can see him at 10 p.m. at the Eureka Theater. Uh, Tom Lennon and I are doing a show called One Star with a lot of great people. Lorraine Newman. Whoa! Hitchcock, very nice. good improviser from the Christopher Guest movies. Uh, Jonah, of course, Eddie Pepitone, Doug Benson, Ben Grant. Uh, lots and lots of good people are going to be on that show. Come see it to 10 o'clock at the Eureka Theater.
0: Fantastic. I like the Eureka.
2: It's a nice, it's yeah, nice it's space. really nice, it's really nice space.
0: Uh, I would like to thank Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the Nerds Podcast. That's an all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. You know I've heard about this on Earwolf. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I know you don't listen to our podcast, Matthew. Well, I just want to tell you. I think Squarespace is great. They say a lot of good things about it. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code NERDIST one Oh, that's not the one I use. Why? (laughs) Uh, Squarespace is constantly improving the platform. They have new features, new designs. Even better support. It's just a way to get a professional website done. It's about time, person. It's 2014. Make your thing. Fuck fuck your Tumblr.
2: Here's (laughs) something that's fun. Here's the thing I should have done. Mattmyra.com. Yeah. You'd think it's a website. You'd think I'd have purchased that domain at some point. Mm. I didn't. Not too late. When you type in mattmyra.com, someone has purchased it already. Oh. And it will
0: redirect you to a Google search for pizza cats. See, if Matt had, had Squarespace, he would not be universally associated with Pizza Cats. But you know what? You're okay I'm with it? I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> all right. So, go to squarespace.com. Uh, start building your high-quality website portfolio or online store. Maybe you want to make a website about Pizza Cats. Use the offer code NERDIST1 and live it up with 10% off at a free trial. Oh, God. You know what? The support's there all the time. Who is? The support. Yeah. Squarespace. They have great support Ugh. to help you... Manage any level of programming. If you, if you you know if you want to do CSS or just uh, right. or, or if you want if you just want to work off templates, um, you, wh- whatever great. whatever skill level you have, they'll help you out, squarespace.com. Um, this episode was uh, was a Paul Williams returning. Um, it was it's the hundredth uh, it's the hundredth anniversary of ASCAP, and so like I said, we were at ASCAP offices, and so I you know when we were I love Paul Williams. The first time he came on, it was one of those ones that I think people. We're like, Paul Williams. Like, oh, okay, yeah, he, did, he wrote all the songs, and he did the Muppet movie soundtrack, and he like, yeah. okay, okay. And then it turned out to be, like, I think one of our best podcasts ever. It was a lot of fun. He was I love Paul Williams. phenomenal. Such a wonderful guy. So when he came back on, I said to, um, when it was being booked, I was like, oh, do you think Paul would, would do a song? And they, so they pitched it to him, and he said, well, what, what do you want him to do? And I go, well, um, uh, I'm going to go back there someday from the Muppet movie. It's like. I know Rainbow Connection gets a lot of love, but I'm going to go back there someday. It yeah. might actually be my favorite song in the Muppet movie soundtrack. Yeah. It's one that Gonzo sings when they're out in the desert, oh, and he yeah. t- and he tells it, Paul tells a story about it. How well I'll let him tell the st- I'll let him tell the stories, but so he agreed to do the song, and so here's here's what happened. He start, this, So he had this accompanist come in, the accompanist is playing, Paul starts singing. Then he stops and he was like, nah, no, it's I, I messed up the lyrics, it doesn't feel right. So he goes over and stands by the piano and he starts singing again he goes, nah, it still just doesn't feel right. So he gets all the way through it and he's like, okay, I guess that's fine. And then we're about to wrap up the podcast and I go, oh, I just loved, I think I said something, it's in the, you'll hear in the podcast, but I was like, this looks familiar. Like I start doing this gonzo voice, just kind of reflexively, because I'm annoying and I do voices. And then Paul goes, Hey, you know what? You should sing this with me. Oh as no. As that. And I was like, "What?" And so I I I was like, "Okay." So I went up and we just impromptu sang it like we went back and forth. No way. You remember the lyrics? Uh yeah, well, yeah. And so, I mean yeah, we, he knows them. I mean. And so um we sang it and then Paul goes, he goes, "That is the version that we were supposed to do he, he said that is the version he said i was tr- you'll, you know he was like i was trying to capture it before and i was forcing it but this is the one you have to post Aww. and he was insistent so i apologize i know it sounds self-indulgent that i'm gonna post the one that i'd sang with him on uh and i'm doing kind of a crappy gonzo voice but it to me it was like it was one of those how is this my life scenario yeah, i'm like neat. i'm here with and, and it also kind of captured the theme of what we were talking about in the podcast, because he had just had some of those experiences too. Yeah, we had gone to an award show and Bonnie Raitt was there, and all these people was like, "How am I here?" And I'm sure at the Grammys when he was up there, yeah. you know, for Daft Punk, with, he must when have he was been up like, there with Macklemore. Ha, ha, how am I here? You know, yeah. like, and then also, you also know, so
2: guest of the Nerdist podcast
0: that the song was like a little imperfect, and he was talking about how much better like things are that just they have more personality. So yeah, it actually kind of. Weirdly encapsulated, I think, what the whole theme of the podcast was, but I was so completely honored to be a part of it and to have him on again. And I fucking love the guy. That's great. Nerdist podcast number 472 with Paul Williams.
1: Now entering nerdist.com.
0: A, ah, come on, see. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Oh. Thank you. And almost, it's almost upsetting how good that song is. And wow. also, just amazing that. Uh, I mean, I watched the video on YouTube again last night. I watched it again last night. But just watching Gonzo,
3: just so much expression from just this little guy. Dave Goltz is is one of the most spectacular actors and directors, and I mean, what what his work encompasses is just is beyond. It, It it's brilliant and it's all heart. I mean there's there's such intellect and heart and compassion in that little character and you know Gonzo is my favorite muppet. <laughs> you know that's the one that I that is I feel is if if I was going to be a muppet that would have to be Gonzo. He's a landlocked bird, you know. Hey, Chris, we're all landlocked birds. I guess that's true. I think I would be a cross between Fozzie and Gonzo, it's sort of
0: like the waka 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 guy and the one that just always feels a little out of place. Yeah. yeah. I, and there's a little bit of Ratso in all of us too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's so amazing to have you back on the podcast because when you came on the first time, I, mean, I knew it was going to be a. I, I assumed like, oh, this is going to be a really nice chat, but it was, it was a phenomenal conversation that we had. And you know, you know, a lot of people listen to the podcast, but every so often there's one that people that just catches people's attention it just sticks in their brains and i got so much feedback about you from the
3: last time you were you were on i got so much feedback i got i had no idea that i was going to get the kind of response that i did and you know but it's about conversation you know my life has been about shoe leather is that that (laughs) that opportunity walks up to me in shoe leather uh there's nothing more important than relationship, you know. So, and uh, ultimately, what you do is, I hope, as it is for me, is a labor of love. Yeah, it's a labor, but but there's such affection in it, and I think people can hear that, you know. And you have a very hip audience. You have a, <laughs> a, a very eclectic audience. You guys write to, the guys that listen to the podcast write to me, and they, I mean, it's it's everything from from I'm going to go back there someday, and 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 songs from the Muppet Movie to. You know, to stuff from about the Battle of the planet of the apes to to uh intellectual property rights I mean it's it's they're really interesting guys and you know and we're pretty interesting aren't we I don't
0: well I I hope I mean I, I mean I, I find that uh you know as many times as I've messed up in this life that hopefully coming through that on the other side makes you
3: slightly more interesting because you're like oh yeah I went through that and here's don't do that again. That's where wisdom is born. Somebody pointed out, you know, it's, you know, like you you you, know, you make mistakes, and that's that's where your wisdom is born, and, and it's the capacity to take that mistake and learn from it, and and then pass on something sweeter, to, you know, in your next efforts, you know. It's you know ultimately, I get up in the morning and I have one, one uh, just a, a short prayer that I always say I say, Lead me where you need me and if if i 'm led where i 'm needed during the day, I don't feel like I'm in the way you know and, and <laughs> if I feel like I'm in the way, I get noisy and loud and stupid and do dumb things at all, but if I feel like I'm actually okay and the people are okay with me being where I am. Something rolls out of me that where I get comfortable and I get creative and I listen. I become the, one of the things that I want to become in the in the years ahead. And I don't know how many years ahead I have. I'd love to have another twenty or thirty years on this, you know, this little spinning ball of gravity. But I hope that I become a better listener. Is is what I would put at the top of my list of what I'd like to what I'd like to improve in. Be a better listener, Paulie. You mean li- not just listening to people, but just sort of listening to the world in general, yeah, exactly. and the environment listen, listen, and listen to people's stories, I mean, you know it, we're so, you know, I, I think that, that I, well, I can't say where, I think that I, you know, was plowing ahead trying to make a world for myself, or you know, create a, a career or life for myself and all I think that as, as I get older, in some ways I'm more productive because I slow down in other areas of my life. And, and one of the areas, hopefully, I slow down a little bit is in that self-pursuit of, of trying to just keep improving my life and listen to the lives of people around me. And those are the gifts, and that's where I, that's where I hear what becomes the songs. You know, Ultimately, everything I write is, I think, born from the people that walk up to me. You know, it's, it's the love of people that becomes music. Well, I don't know. because essentially you're retelling stories. I think we all are. You know, I think I think in, in, in the, anybody that is in the creative process, that's that's part of what we're doing is we're hearing what's going on around us. We're reflect and and when you reflect the truth back to somebody, you give them a great gift. You know, so you know, so Chris makes a mistake and you know he steps in. And there's there's you know there's there's uh, you know there's there's uh, there's mud on your boots. You can share that information with people around you and make their lives better and all. And and the fact that you do it in an entertaining fashion, that you make people laugh while you do it, makes that spoonful of medicine go down a lot easier. <laughs> I
0: try. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons why we like vintage things so much is because things that are naturally worn have sto- a story. Like, oh, that, was, that lived uh, some type of life, and there's... There's the you know kind of the
3: muck of of just experiences yeah. that surround that thing, even if we don't know what they are. Yeah, if if that if those cufflinks could talk, you know, <laughs> it, you know and there's energy to those things, you know, I, it's like I've have you ever picked up an old watch and you know, or you know, you you're browsing around an antique store and you walk over and you pick up an old watch or a, you know a pocket watch or. or glasses after somebody's gone. You pick up, I mean, talk about a really interesting feeling. I remember after my dad passed away, looking at his glasses. And I couldn't even, I don't think to this day, it's, I mean, in my 70s, I don't think I can express what it felt like to hold his glasses that he had looked at the world through. I mean, I'm 13 years old, so I'm not very, you know, I don't I don't have a, a, the ability to, to really translate what I'm feeling. But I remember today, and we're talking about 60 years later, how it felt to hold his glasses, and he looked he looked at the world through this. What is the energy like about around this object and all uh, i don 't know if I can identify the the energy around the object. But I'm beginning to get to a place where I can identify what I was feeling at the time. And it was, I think, a sense of time moving on. You know, it's going to move on with me. Someday these glasses that I'm wearing is, you know, if if they don't go through the windshield of a car, (laughs) you know, these glasses will be intact. And somebody will be sitting there and holding them and go, well, what did he get to see looking through these glasses? What he got to see was a life that he couldn't have imagined. I am, you know, you know, I'm writing a book with Tracy Jackson and I writing a book called Gratitude and Trust. Recovery is not just for addicts. And the essence of, of my life has come down to those two words, gratitude and trust. I am so grateful for everything that I've experienced, and and, and I think especially the mistakes, the 10 years I lost— you know, to my addiction. You know, I, you know you're an alcoholic when you misplace a decade. It, you know, <laughs> so I misplaced the, you know, the '80s. The '80s were gone. I found out later that Reagan was president. But, <laughs> wow, the actor? Kidding, the actor? You're joking. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that those years are probably the most important years of my life. It, it, I mean, now because I can a use them, use them to, you know, to help you know deal with other people recognizing their own addiction and, and the fact that there's hope for the hopeless. But also just the perspective that it gives me on, on time and, and, and how quickly it goes by and how to use it, how to use it really lovingly. You know, it's all about ultimately, it's, as corny as it sounds, it, it is all about love and service. It's all about love and service. And if you can do and, and it's a really ma- great magic trick, if you can do what you love and be of service to the world. I mean, if you can do what you love and be of service to the world. That's have, a that's have, an amazing oh, feat that's, to pull that's off. Spectacular, yeah.
0: Well, my it's funny you say that. My dad, uh, my dad who died last year, um, he said the same thing you said, where he just he misplaced his thirties because he, you know, he was yeah, he dead. did him right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he misplaced his thirties just because you know he was in the the pits of despair, and so he just sort of drank his way through his thirties, and you know, but he had a really good perspective on it because he said, "I don't." I don't like regret because if I had changed any one thing about my life, I wouldn't be here with you now. Yeah. And so he was really good at... at sort of doing the maintain the sort of mental maintenance on like, you know, that's what I had to go through yeah. to get to this point, and so it, ultimately it was worth it.
3: Yeah, exactly. And 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 the parts that look the most negative at the moment that they're happening sometimes turn out to be a gift. And I, I think I actually talked to you about this once before. About I'm totally convinced that no is a gift in our in our world. That there is no is a navigational nudge. You know, if I don't get something that I really want, I mean, I'm I mean, it's like. You know, a classic example. I went to, uh, I was I was sober a couple years. Uh, I was kind of away from music. I'd lost touch with the music, and I, all of a sudden, I was hired to do a movie in in New Zealand called The Frighteners. Oh, with, yes, you know, I mean a great you know, it's a Michael oh J. Fox God, movie. J., exactly, Michael J. Fox, a great movie, great, great movie. movie. So they hire me to play the to the John Aston role. So it's like, oh my God! They wanted John Aston but they couldn't get him. So they call me, and, and I wind up getting the part. They book book the plane tickets and all. I was a couple of years sober at the time, and uh, it, and it's like I'm really really excited about this because I'm you know I started out as an actor. I love acting. It's a chance to act again and all. It's great and everything. And then I get a phone call. You know what? John Aston's schedule changed, so he's able to do it. And I don't think that I, uh, I, you know, like in a game of hopscotch, you just stop on a number for a second. That's about how long I felt any disappointment because what I felt immediately, and this was totally new for me because I could do a poor me for a decade, you know, my immediate thought was what's coming. What There's something, there's a reason for me to not go to New Zealand. What is it? The next day, I got a phone call from an organization called NSAI, the Nashville Songwriters Association International. They said, we'd like you to come to Nashville. We're going to honor you at a thing called Ten Pan South. Now, I used to be, at that point, a songwriter. I was a used-to-be songwriter. I go to Nashville, and there's something in the water. And I meet the people down there, and they make me feel safe. Big point right there. They make me feel safe. They respect me. I started getting this feeling of like, I could maybe do this. I meet a guy named John Vesner. We sit down, wrote a song called You're Gone. It was the number one record for Diamond Rio. All of a sudden, I'm in love with music again, I, and in a whole new way. I'm sitting down at a at a kitchen table with a guy that I never met before, telling him the truth about what I feel, listening to his truths, collaborating in a fashion that I'd never collaborated before. Because my collaborations before, even the most successful, at their heart, there was something that was ego driven. And but to sit down with somebody, and just go, you tell me your, come on, Chris, you tell me your mistake, and I, and I'll tell you mine. You know. And I would be willing to bet that you and I sitting here right now could write a song, and it would, it would if I don't know how good it would be, but it would have a flavor of honesty that people would respond to
0: and that's ultimately what people that's the sort of ingredient x in something, and not just music but in comedy or in anything where there's just some little authentic nugget of yeah. you yeah. can tell when someone's real and when they're faking it, and when you when you do identify that one thing you it's
3: and The fact is that the reason the reason that, that that a song is successful is not because I'm so different and I write and I write something unique and different, but what we have in common. It's like at, for me, there's great safety at the center of the herd. You know, <laughs> it's like there's safety at the center of the herd. When I write about, you know, I'm just not educated enough to write really brilliant. You know, I mean, I tried. The more the more intellectual I got in my writing, the further away I got from what I felt, and the less successful the songs were. But when I just stay, Polly. And I write, you know, what scares me or, or, or what I need or what I long for. And they're usually ouch mommy songs. I've always called them codependent anthems, you know. <laughs> pick me up and love me. You know, I, I'm nothing without you songs. When I can write honestly no matter how and, and and without without fear of having being laughed at, without fear of being laughed at, just saying this is who I am right now. I'm really scared. I wish you'd pick me up and hold me. Somebody out there is going, boy, I know how how it feels to be that scared maybe they're that scared now or maybe they'd been that way before maybe they're seeing they're looking at their kid and go boy i, I know how my kid feels cuz i hear it in that song then then by being the same we have we have spotlighted some of the elegance of human spirit
0: well it's hard to i mean first of all so two th- two things i'll say to that number one not everyone would have gotten passed over for a zemeckis movie i think it was zemeckis right frighteners was, yeah, was zemeckis yeah. um and then immediately said, Oh, what's coming next? They would have been crushed and it would have taken a while for them to go, Oh, why does this always happen to me? Because sure. they build the story, you know, you live the story that you build in yeah. your head. Yeah. So if you do the this always happens to me and then you start looking for other things to build that case, then you do
3: manifest that reality. Absolutely. And you just you just said in in like two sentences what is essentially my spiritual philosophy is the thought Thoughts are things. What we dwell on, we create. As a man thinketh in his heart. If I sit there and go, well, one more time, as you just said, if one more time I, you know, I never get what I want, that's a prayer. I never get what I want. You're putting that out into the universe. You're helping to co-create that. But if you go, phew. And and the way you get to a place where you can go, whew, something wonderful must be coming, is you have to screw up just righteously for about a decade. (laughs) You know, you have to wake up in your own spittle and kind of going, oh, my God, now what have I done? Or be so messed up you don't even realize you're messed up. Yeah. You know, that was the great thing about the—one of the great things, uh, for me anyway, about— about the movie, Paul, when he was still alive, is because it offered me a chance to look at myself. I mean, there's footage in, in that movie of me just so messed up. So arrogant, shallow, vapid little person hosting Merv Griffin, so full of himself that he can't even see the world around him. And, and for me to see that kind of arrogance and, and grandiosity and ego... Is a huge life lesson, you know. So I'm I'm not sure where I was headed with this, except that 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 out of you know that that feeling of oh my God, I screwed up again and all is is there's something about that that is ultimately uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's the opposite of constructive. It's a destructive behavior. But what you said right before that is it's a longer process. Everybody has their own process to get to grieve. You know, and if it takes you six months to grieve over something, I think that, that that that's where you are in your life right now. But hopefully, you can advance to a place where you go. You know what? There's there's th- that happened. There's there's something better coming. Well, it's-
0: yeah. The no- the the number two thing that I that makes that makes me think is it's something I heard once. I heard someone say once that um, uh, no matter what you think about yourself, you're right.
3: Oh my god, I love that! Yeah, yeah exactly. No matter what, if yeah. you
0: think if you think you're if you think shitty things about yourself, well, then you're gonna manifest yeah, that, and exactly. you're right. If you think I, positive things, or you think
3: like you know, like you, I'm a small mound of poo poo, you become a small mound of poo poo. <laughs> yeah, go exactly. well, I, am, I am a you know a righteous you know yeah absolutely. Because
0: I think I think your I think your brain is essentially a machine that is kind of like an assistant, and I think a lot of people feel ruled by their brain, but I think it's sort of an assistant. So if you say like. Yeah, I suck and everything's bullshit. Then your brain will go out and and go look. Oh, here, here's more examples of that. Here, I'm trying yeah, to make you all know. All right, like, here. Well, yeah. Guess what I got it's you just for? Just said. This is what you said.
3: You said you suck at everything. <laughs> guess what I got you for Christmas? A basketball. <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so, so, okay. So then I can take the basketball and go on the court and prove to myself that I suck at everything. Well,
0: so it's so it's it's figuring out a way to. Change the and where I think most people don't realize is that you can change the dialogue with yourself, and you can start asking better questions when when bad things happen. Like you like you just said, you know, why well, this is
3: good? Yeah. What could be around yeah. the corner? There's you something, know? there's something there. You know? What
0: can I learn from this? How can I grow from this?
3: Yeah, and and uh, and that's and that's a long process. That's everybody has their has their own their own road to that to that clarity. But even just starting to ask
0: better questions. I think is the the first I mean I think you know even though it might you might not feel like oh my life has been dramatically altered overnight you do sort of first feel that aha wait maybe that maybe I have some control over this and then incrementally you know after a few months it, then that's when it starts to
3: the and beyond that I, the, I did things in 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 my 30s that were ignored by the world that that could have been very quickly labeled a failure which now in 2014 – okay, here, here's, here's a classic example. In, in 1974, I made a movie called Phantom of the Paradise. Of course. Phantom of the Paradise, which was totally – I mean, it was a f- huge flop in this country. There were only two cities in the world where it had any real success, Winnipeg in Canada and Paris, France. Okay, so let's write it off as a failure, I'm, uh, you and know, maybe you could do that but all of a sudden you know, like in like, I'm in Mexico and a 16-year-old boy comes up to me with it with a, at, a, at a concert with an album a phantom of the paradise soundtrack and asks me to sign it I signed it evidently I was nice to him and we had a nice little conversation I don't remember the the moment I remember I remember the signing album I, I, you know I don't know if I think I remember or if I actually remember but this little 14 16 or whatever this guy was Well, I know who the guy is now because I'm writing a musical based on Pan's Labyrinth with him. It's Guillermo Guillermo del Toro. (laughs) Uh, The work that I've done with with Daft Punk is totally related to to them seeing Phantom of the Paradise... Twenty times, and going, you know, and, and deciding that they're going to reach out to this, you know, this seventy-year-old songwriter to get involved in, in in an album called Random Access Memories. So, what is the lesson in that? It is, is it, it, the lesson for me is is be very careful about what you label a failure in your life. Be very careful about about putting throwing something in the in the round file as a, as as garbage because you may find that it it is a the headwaters of a relationship that you can't even imagine that is coming in your future
0: well also it's just not as black and white as this is a failure and that's not a failure like if you even if even if something flops or you mess something or you completely mess something up you can still i mean it's all right to be bummed about things for a couple of, i think it's okay like you kind of mourn the loss of yeah. the thing that you cared about sure. but then you can go back through <laughs> almost parasitically and sort of figure out dissect you know what pieces of this can i still use maybe it's not all a complete loss can i reappropriate this to something else or or at least what what did i what's the lesson that i learned from this but i think as long as people as long as you can experience some type of growth no matter what happens yeah. then you can almost be from one point of view kind of bulletproof in
3: that and, way and and the other element we haven't even talked about is magic we haven't the other thing we haven't talked about is this mysterious amazing energy you know i mean i've used electricity my entire life i had don't have a clue about how it works i mean and when i was an alcoholic and uh, you know, drinking alcoholic and you ask me how something worked i would tell you if i didn't know or not you know now i may be in the middle of explaining i if somebody says how does a jet engine work i'll be about 3 sentences into it when i'll stop myself and go I have no idea. What are you talking about? You're a you know, you lying little bastard. You don't know anything about jet engines at all. But I use, I use electricity, and I don't know how it works. There is an element in the universe. There is something in the universe that, that is becoming more and more and more uh, uh, obvious to me that is a, a major part of our lives. So I'll give you an example. And it's as recent as yesterday. You know, I'm, uh, I have gratitudeandtrust.com, dot com, the the website where Tracy and I are, are blogging, building a readership for our book when the book, book comes out in September. So yesterday, no, day before yesterday, I sit down and I write a blog. I, I, somebody just sent me a picture of, of uh, that they took of me in the middle of a crash at Watkins Glen when I was racing at a, a Toyota Celebrity Grand Prix. I, I, I raced, you know, a bunch in the in the early '80s and late '70s. So, but then somebody sent me this picture of me with a car up on its nose and everything. It's, not, it's got one half on the side because I, I raised under the number one half, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and it's got this this picture, and uh, and it's like I'm just absolutely out of control, going through a fence. I'm practically upside down. It was a great picture, and I thought they, that's what what the competitive spirit does for you. So I wrote a blog, which hasn't posted yet, but I wrote a blog. This is day before yesterday. I wrote a blog about the competitive spirit. That you know that when I'm trying to take something from somebody else, it doesn't really work for me. And I talked about you know it, it, at any rate, but I also talked about but what I've learned about myself and how I'd probably really love to race against so, them I mean, as you know because I'm now sober and I have a quieter soul and and I, I I have clarity. I think I'd be better or whatever. Blah blah blah. I checked my email th- this morning and yesterday last night. I got an email from the people who run the Long Beach Grand Prix asking me if I'd like to come and race again. <laughs> now, this, is, this was, was a day after I wrote a blog that has not been posted yet. And so I mean, it's like what? Where, where's the connection? Where there's some sort of a, a communication on some level that that is going on that that is just pure mystery. Unfo- I mean, I can't do it. I've got to be in New York and D.C. the times of the race and all. But maybe I'll be able to do it next year. But what's more exciting to me than the race or the possibility of getting back into that 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 racing suit when I'm not. F- Forty pounds overweight, like I was then <laughs> yeah there's is the there's... fact that I could think of something and and this magical- mysterious little process takes place where it, I, I don't know if I sensed it before it came in or writing the blog created the opportunity I'll never know, but it but it fascinates me
0: yeah or you or there was just some type of energy in the magnetosphere that they <laughs> yeah. that you both picked up on at the same time yeah. I don't know because i've I've had you know as uh, you know i'm I, I i like to think there's something science-y behind it that we just don't yet understand yeah. of just being you know all essentially vibrating molecules as part of the same system that there's sure. just something disrupts the force and so and so like the same thing happens to me
3: some particles that when you get there there's nothing there <laughs> just, just proof that they have been there wait yes. a minute how do you explain that i know but it's you know uh but there's
0: yes there's something quantum about it <laughs> and so uh uh you know, when I started, when I started the whole Nerdist everything, it was just kind of having this moment where I said, "Oh, I really, I think I really should only pursue things that I actually care about that revolve around these things that are that I'm passionate about." And what's just, your
3: greatest passion?
0: What's my greatest yeah. passion? Um, I I think comedy, probably. I would say, you know, like yeah. just. Th- I hate to say, like, well, making people laugh. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. it's part of that, but it's just, and it's performing and know, connecting with people. And, Keep going no, no, no worries. You are on a great
3: road. about No, 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 no
0: worries. I think it's just, it's that sort of communal thing of, like, you know, making people feel okay about things uh, with jokes. I mean, raunchy jokes, but still jokes. Um, and, and then also just feeling like we're, I'm a big collaborator. I love community. I love, you know, like, hey, we can all win. We can all do this together. I think projects where people come together are better for me anyway yeah. than just sitting alone yeah. and like yeah, I just wrote this all by myself like I just like I like making things with other people I think the chemistry that you and I would make would be something totally different than something Katie and I would make like it it's it's just it's that sort of chemical thing that happens yeah. when you mash different en- entities and energies together
3: and, that, and again that mystical thing that we're talking about everybody experiences you're thinking to somebody and the phone rings and it's them yeah. I, you know it's just Again and again.
0: Yeah, and when, so when I decided to do all this stuff, within two weeks, I found this this job. I because I, I my eyes were open and I was I, I narrowed down all my options, but the it gave me a path, like it gave me a focus, like a path. And then this job opened up at Wired, that Wired magazine, that was like, well, this is the thing that I was just talking about yeah. two weeks Isn't ago. Isn't that amazing? It's a great yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. believe yeah. it. Yeah. Well, how did this happen? I just
3: you know. Well, you you told the universe what you wanted. You put in your order. You, I guess I did. Put you in my put order. in your order. Yeah. And uh, and I think we with our thoughts on a daily basis we put in our order.
0: And it was a different feeling than that feeling of I want a million dollars. Like it was. It was definitely like I just sort of felt something in my body align and go. Yeah. This is what I. This is what means something to me. It's yeah. like you know when people talk about how they want things or they. Oh, I just want. This success or this relationship or this money or whatever, I think they don't really think about why. And I think that's an important question to ask. Well, why, do, we, why yeah. do you want those things? Well, I want to feel a certain way. Well, what do you want to feel? Well, I want this and this and this. Oh, well, now that I know that these are the things that I need to feel or I want to feel, maybe I don't need those things to feel that. Maybe, yeah. I, can, maybe I already have those things and I just don't know it yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I—the older I get, the further away I get from attaching the way I feel to a place or a thing. You know, I mean, I drove driving over here. I I look up on the hills and I see a house that I lived in for 30 years, and I sold it after my second marriage when when I got a divorce and sold the house. And And it's like I look at it, I go, "My God, you bought that house." That, I mean you love that house Peter Lorre died in your den When do you ever get to say that You know I mean What an amazing house uh, 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 Orson Welles lived there I used to get junk mail For Orson Welles It was like, You know I actually Columbia had a Record House had, had, Orson Welles I had oh, great albums for a penny oh, oh, A great show I had dinner with Orson Welles once After oh After Tonight Show He was He was a host of The Tonight Show and he requested his guests that night, and it was George Goble, uh, Flip Wilson, and myself. Two other phenomenal but, uh, comedians. I mean, a really interesting, interesting combination of weird people that I loved, you know, including <laughs> me now. but So I had dinner afterwards, and I said, you know, I live at a place where you used to live, up on, on Franklin. He said, 85, 45, Franklin. I said, yes. And he said, I said, it was, what, 30 years ago or whatever at that time. He went, no, but I will always remember it. I shall tell you why. I just moved into it. He said I rented the house from from the, I think it was owned by Sidney Toller, the guy that, that played the original Charlie Chan. He owned it. He rented it to Orson Wells. He said I rented it. Just moved into it. He said I went to I went, had to go to court to testify for a friend who was a, who was a liar and a thief. So I was a character witness for this friend of mine. He says, I went into the court, and, he says, uh, and uh, I went up on the stand, and the judge says, please just state your name, your occupation, and your address. I said, my name is Orson Welles. I am a writer and a director and an actor, and I live it, and I couldn't remember the address. <laughs> he said, so I made one up. I said, 429 King's Rotting Hammerstein, whatever, You know. and he said, as soon as I said the word, that, that I, the, the address that I totally made up, I remembered 8545 Franklin, and I thought, okay, at some point, there's going to be a... Knock on the door and somebody will say there is no something King's Rottingham. You're under arrest for lying on the stand, you know. So he remembered it his entire life, you know, but but I look, I, back to the whole point of driving up Los Cienega, and I look up on the hill and I see that house where I had these amazing memories with my children and everything. I have no connectedness at all of, of ownership or loss that it's not mine anymore. And it amazes me because I'm a sentimental guy. Why am I all of a sudden – why have I lost this feeling of attachment to things? When did that happen and how did that happen? And why, why is a, a place – you know, just not that important to me anymore. I mean, and I love where I live, I lo- and I love my wife, and I love the life I have, you know. And I, I, uh, but I, I, for some reason, there's a kind of a, maybe it's a progressive disconnectedness that prepares us for the big goodbye, you know, but, you know, which is hopefully 20 or 30 years away, who knows when. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic, but I'm 73. But on some level, I find myself... Being able to love things without possessing them in a in a greater and greater fashion.
0: Well, I don't attach that. I mean, I like, I like things. Things are fun, but I think that's really where it ends for yeah, me. It's yeah. like, oh, they're fun. This like, message
3: has been brought to you by the Poly Lama. <laughs> uh,
0: you know. Well, I have a, I have a really, I have a pretty snazzy car, and I like it because it's a pretty car. But I don't really, you know, if someone you know like if my girlfriend's getting out of the car and she kind of you know like uh scrapes the door of the curb the she's like oh my god i'm sorry about
3: your car i'm like i don't give a shit it's a car yeah, it's like a car. i don't know yeah, it's like yeah.
0: it's, a, it's a it's a car it doesn't matter it's it's it should just be here to be fun and yeah.
3: you know and yeah it's and, and i think it's a process it's like we evolve into these things and all you know but you know my my uh my instagram account is at polylama Two or is no it's polylama Two and and uh it's it's kind of a, in a joke amongst my friends that I am I am the Pali Lama. All of a sudden, I am you know. How do you get to be a spiritual giant? Well, you you know you wake up enough mornings in a row not knowing who you are or where you are or who that person is next to you. You, you, you instead of coming to one morning, you wake up and then you have twenty four almost twenty four years of a life of absolute gratitude. You begin to become the Pali Lama. What can <laughs> but I
0: isn't it nice to know that. You could just put up one Instagram picture and it someone could connect with that or you could say you could just send something. You could write a blog or something and then one person, it could not only change the course of their life, but then the sort of uh, pyramid, the, the, the charitable pyramid scheme that could happen of like, well, then that guy takes something from that and then that affects 10 it other on, people. It and it then said, I mean, yeah. it really is like it's 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 such a leg it's it's a legacy that unfortunately you probably won't ever get to you won't get to see most of it yeah but you kind of it's kind of nice to know that something like that is there i mean i think the real um measure of a person is just sort of the halo effect of the lives that they affected when they're when they're gone and i think that's that's what you leave behind not like I mean, it's nice to have stuff. It's fun to look have look at glasses and go, "Oh, this was this." My dad had this, but just to know, like, "Oh, all these lives were affected by actions that that person had." I think that's where you that that's the legacy that people should focus on.
3: I remember I remember being like about three days sober, you know, just you know, just out of the hospital and, and rehab and all, and driving down the street and having this intense gratitude for for you know for what I was feeling, and I remember looking at at a building that was painted a really horrible shade of green, and for some reason I thought. I thought about the painter getting the phone call that day and saying, would you come and work? And he got a job and turned to his wife and saying, you know, honey, I got the job. I'm going to, I'm going to paint. The, they've asked me to paint the building on, on a fountain. You know, so he goes to work. And, and what it felt, I mean, forget about the bad color that somebody <laughs> chose, but somebody got the job to do that. And how it felt to go, I'm going to bring home food to my, my, my kids with, with that work. You know, if, if, you ch- if you chase it, you can find some amazing beauty in, in every, every direction you look in you know i'm you know i i'm disgusting sometimes sometimes i make myself sick (laughs) i'm so positive i just hold on i have to slap myself (laughs) i know well no
0: it's i i feel that way too because uh i'm a very excited i get very excited about things pretty pretty easily but it but i think it's important to realize even, even if just the lesson behind that is like hey just stop and take a minute and appreciate something for a second yeah it will change your day to do that. Just to take a, you know, a minute out of your day to just stop and go, hey, you know what, that's a really nice thing, or I feel this, or I'm in this moment right now, and this is really nice. It will literally change your day, even if you're having a completely shitty day. Just that moment... Can change your day, which will in turn change other people's days, and it's. Yeah, and I just feel like people forget that you can do that because it's you like just get caught you, up and busy, you, and
3: you turn. You know what? You're turning a new page to a journal. You go, go okay, I'm starting right here. This is zero. I'm this. I'm setting at zero. We're starting right now." I mean, if I wake up in the morning and I, and I have a grumpy moment or whatever, and I usually don't, and all the, the, the there's the chances immediate, and that's a huge part of recovery. That's why we say one day at a time. You know, you wake up, you go, all right, this is a clean slate. Go out there and fill it with something wonderful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, first of all, I don't care if people think it's too saccharine because I know that the people who are sort of ready to hear it the right way, yeah, will appreciate it. And I always tell, um, I have these conversations with my girlfriends. All the, with my my girlfriends, I have these conversations with my girlfriend.
3: <laughs> and <laughs> and, and was the, Chris, just his, Chris just saw his life pass before his eyes. You all know, the like, girlfriends that I have, yeah,
0: all yeah. of the many girlfriends that I have, yeah. um, for all the girls he's about to love. Now that the <laughs> one he's with is going to dump don't. him over that last remark. <laughs> I've dated two girls in ten years, uh, but it. Uh, uh, but sometimes, like, when we go out of town and, you know, like, we're not – we don't take care of ourselves as well. Or we don't eat – we eat crappy and we don't exercise, you know, and, and she'll go, like, oh, man. Ugh, it's just all that – you know, all that time I was taking care of myself back home was ruined. And I go, no, it's not because when you get home, just right take at. care of yourself again. I'll yeah. take care of, I'll go. that's why it doesn't bother me. I go, oh, well, just – you know, it's in three – within a week I'll feel normal again. It's fine. Anything's – any moment, any, any – second you have to make a decision is a, a moment that you an opportunity you can have to
3: change your life so tracy jackson the woman that i'm writing this the the book with took me into a nike store we bought nike fuel bands do you know what they are i
0: do yeah i had a fuel band what's oh your score God, today i got you have a to? fuel
3: band and it's absolutely disgusting because i've become now addicted to a little <laughs> the number. number on my wrist you know so i go fuel it's it's one thousand six hundred and thirty-one. My day, is, uh, my fuel setting is three thousand. So yep. I know that I will probably make my my goal again today. Yeah, but you because right now it's only it's only twelve fifty.
0: I know, but it's hard. You know, it's like you you like we we like data and points and things to measure and. You know, and three thousand means you're pretty active for the day if you get oh, up yeah, to three thousand. Yeah, you yeah. Get
3: it. And, it, and it does that little goal thing and all. Yeah, so you can goal hear somebody yelling, score, Yeah, and score.
0: And th- boy, if you get to like thirty five hundred or four thousand, like oh my god, I get some surplus
3: points today. And, they, and at zero, it's, it's at midnight. It's back to zero. It's back again. to zero again. Exactly. Yeah, but you you also exercise every morning. Every I ran two miles this morning. You know, I got to bed around one in the morning. We woke up at seven and and ran two miles and everything. Call nine one one.
0: It's but. The disturbing thing is to know that you are currently, when you're back in New York, you're running during this time of year, which is like... A, just a record winter horribleness. You and saw the picture. I saw, I saw your. I saw the. I follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I see. I see the pictures. <laughs> I see. I see. I just see this. This bundled up. You almost look like a Tuscan Raider from Star Wars. It was just like you just, exactly. you just see your eyes poking out from all yeah. these clothes. I don't
3: bend. If I fell down, I couldn't get up. You know, I've got so many <laughs> clothes on. I don't bend at all. Yeah, but I'm in. I'm in New York a lot for ASCAP, and it's you know it's 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 our hundredth years anniversary. So, so we're we're doing a lot. I'm spending a lot lot of time on airplanes and and loving my loving my life loving my life
0: the american society of composers artists and publishers authors and publishers authors and yeah, publishers. exactly
3: we uh, we had to get you know the, it was a that we had arsons in there for a while but nope. they kept they kept you know, setting fire <laughs> to all their their Rashid music and we couldn't keep track of it so it's a so ask ASCAP, wow ASCAP's 100 years old 100 years old yeah 1914 that's amazing 100 years of of you know we're almost almost 500,000 members you know, these people cranking out labor of love. It's a labor of love, but it's like I say, it's still a labor. And so ASCAP has been putting food on the table for my kids and gas in the car to take my daughter to school for, for since 1972 for me. Wow. And, you know, so and my, the big message is to the people that love music, we love that you get the music and we always want you to get the music for the, the most reasonable price and free if you can get it for free. But the people that bring it to you, the people that sell advertising on the radio and stuff like that—they they need to give some of that money at, that they get for advertising and send it to the the people that are writing, you know, creating the music. And that's what ASCAP does. We we're almost five hundred thousand small businessmen. I always said that metaphorically, I am the perfect president for ASCAP. I'm a small businessman, <laughs> and I and uh, you know we we. we we license blanket license uh, all the, just every genre of music you know from 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 Irving Berlin to Beyonce to uh, and ev- every genre urban uh, Latin huge Latin market and all this great music and people get to enjoy it. Well, let me ask you this about um,
0: something that you said earlier has been sticking in my mind, which is you know. Um writing music it's sort of expressing that honest moment you know whatever someone's feeling just being as honest as possible That's not always easy to translate things from your heart like on to paper like how how do you because it's it's the same for any of the arts not not just music yeah. but any you know painting and comedy and writing and you know whatever it's how do you knock down the walls between like that sort of pure emotion and then deliver it in a way that is accessible and relatable without being on the nose
3: and preachy and like it's just sort of how do you get how do you get those blockades out of the way you know i trust my unconscious more and more i mean if if when i'm writing writing i don't think about what i'm going to write consciously as much as as i used to i don't you know i don't if if i'm asked to write a song about a specific subject whether it's for a movie or whatever I don't sit and stare at it for two days until something happens. I'll look at it, absorb the information. This is what I need to write about. And then I, don't, then I don't think about it for a couple of days, and I sit down, and it flows out of me. You know, most people have had that experience of trying to remember somebody's name, and they go, we're the name of a movie, and they go, God damn it, wait a minute. What is the name of this movie? I know this, I know this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. What's the name of it? And, or what's the name of so? God, we went to school. these. cannot remember You're thinking about something else, and it pops into your brain. Into your consciousness. And so while you were thinking about something else, you know, all the little, you know, filing people back there were going through cards and they managed to come up with this information. I think that our unconscious is spectacular. I think we're much more powerful than we realize. What I try to do is not stand on the hose, I try to not get in the way of the flow. And whatever creative source brings these ideas in the order that they do, uh, it you know I mean I have I have a, a I'm I mean, I'm a I'm a craftsman. I put my name on the songs when I write them, but I'll tell you sometimes, sometimes they come in a in a in a flow that that just amazes me. I don't know if I told you the last time I was here to the story about writing the songs for the Muppet Christmas Carol. The story about Scrooge. Did I tell you that? I don't think so. Okay, this is interesting. Here's a, I mean I think it's I hope it's interesting. It's a it's a fair example of what I was talking about when I was. Maybe a couple years sober I was hired to write the songs for the Muppet Christmas Carol Great piece of, of literature for me to be writing about Even if it was Rizzo and, and Gonzo and all <laughs> those guys Because it's the story of Scrooge Somebody who's had a spiritual awakening I just had a spiritual awakening So Disney, who, who is the Muppets now, is Disney says we want the first song to be about Scrooge. And in the movie you see Scrooge's feet as he comes out of the door and it's it's Michael Caine playing Scrooge and he's walking down this muddy muddy road and the snowy road and as he goes by these little characters like Rizzo and all these you know chickens and all the little people they all seem to get colder as he goes by. So uh, I knew that was the first song that I w- that I was going to write. I read the the original Dickens novel. I read the screenplay. I know the characters, I know the Muppets. And basically what I did was kind of pray about it. I went Big Amigo, I call it my higher power, the Big Amigo. Big Amigo, going to write this song about Scrooge, you know what it's supposed to be about. Let me know when you have an idea. I picked up a Lawrence Block novel, a murder mystery, and I started reading it. About three pages into it, I put the novel down and I went, "Okay, he's walking out the door." Boom, 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 boom. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. Whoa, I went. That's that. That's not bad, you guys. That's pretty good, you know. Yep. It paints me with indifference it paints you with indifference, like a lady paints with rouge, and the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed is the one that we call Scrooge. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug, there goes Mr. Grimm, if they gave a prize for being mean, the winner would be him uh, Chris, I could not write it down fast enough. I could not write it down fast enough. It came out of me as almost as quickly as I'm singing it to you. And I and I know it came out of me, and I and I know that I that I wrote it, and I and I know that I was part of that process, but I just don't feel like I could put all the names on the on on the piece of paper that worked on it. I think there is a spectacular energy, and I don't know if it's the generosity of of Harry Nilsson and and all the people that I loved that went before that are up there going here, change this to that, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how the process works. It like I say, it's like electricity. I'm not sure how it works, but I know the, the the less I the more I stay out of the way, and the less I can you know ego is a sea anchor. If I throw throw my ego on and I go, I'm writing this, and damn it, it's going to be good. It stops. But if I could go, I happen to be a you know a part of 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 a gift that's that I'm, I'm I can be a small part of it, you know, and that and that's not false modesty. That's just me being in absolute awe of the creative process.
0: Well, I think you can. I think sometimes people forget that they can ask themselves for things. Like sometimes I'll have conversations with my brain where I go, "Okay, look, <laughs> okay, me, yeah, we got there's some shit we got to get through, and you just have to focus." But once we get, th- you know, like if you can just hold off until, you know, this day, then we can relax. Now, a lot of times when I do that, I'll get sick on that day. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, the body, oh, you know, like yeah, yeah up. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also escape. But I think also, you know, when you're trying and you're trying, just like you said, and you're trying to write, oh, I gotta find this thing. Why can't I find this thing? Oh, this sucks, and you get all caught up. But sometimes if you really just stop and get a little quiet and just say, Look, um, you know, just let me find in my brain, you know, brain, let me just, just give me the answer I need, please, let me have it, or please may I have it. Yes. And then, like you said, and a couple days later, I don't know, something weird happens, and it just sort of, like a little fissure opens up in your subconscious, and then something just comes out. It was time to be perfect. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) But it it is strange that I almost feel like, in some cases, your brain is going like, hey, I'll... You just have to ask, well, sincerely. The, it, you just have thing,
3: to ask. You know, the other, but the other thing that, that occurs to me while I hear you, you know, it, it's, I, incidentally, I love our conversations. I love our conversations because the, none of them are dead ends. See, everything you say opens up stuff in my head and all. But what, what I'm hearing you say is that you, went, I, you, you advanced from, from problem to solution. And the way you did it is you discarded fear. If you, if you stay, on, stay in fear... Nothing gets done Because fear creates anxiety Anxiety creates tension Tension creates then the, the lines around the nozzle And boom it, it all tightens down It's that hose That I keep thinking about Standing on yeah. But you let go of the fear And you jump into faith That's why it's gratitude And trust for me I'm grateful for what I've had But I trust That I'm going to have What I need in the future that Whether it's an idea I mean we sat down With this conversation We had no idea What we were going to talk no. about Maybe you had a sense of it I But didn't. I doubt it You know
0: That's why I love doing the podcast Is because it is is essentially it's a it's a little it's a ride for me because it's it's basically just wherever we are in the moment and it, it's that's just how conversations yeah,
3: work. Yeah, yeah. And it's a chance to learn. You know, it's a chance to learn for me anyway. I sit down here and, uh, and uh, again, it's it's surprised. I still get surprised. I mean, I'm surprised at where this conversation went, what, we, you know, what, you know, where, where we want, the roads we wandered down. I love it. <laughs> you know?
0: Well, yeah, it's nice because I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast are also looking for the same answers. A lot of them are creative types and, and so they, uh, even if they're not even if you're not in a creative field it's still there's still answers to life that people want to have and you know um, you know I'm not and you know, it's funny because I I have this kind of faith in the I don't know how to describe it just sort of the just sort of the scientific energy of the universe but I wouldn't consider myself a religious person, but I just too many times I've experienced this thing where I go oh well. I decided I want to do this thing and then this answer revealed itself yeah. Yeah. because I started down this path and I you know I was kind to myself and said hey it's okay for you to you know and and not in a greedy like you said ego way of like man, I want a million you know yeah, like, I yeah.
3: want there, there I'll take that too It's have that? but <laughs> yeah. but
0: really like hey I just this is something that's meaningful to me and yeah. you know I would like to discover this more and then it and maybe it's maybe those things maybe it's that sort of I don't know what it is. What do they call it? The reticular activation? It's a part of your brain that makes you notice. Like if I say to you, um, uh, the color brown, all of a sudden you see brown everywhere. Everywhere it's like, there's brown. It's, it's, it's activating that part of your awareness to a landscape of things that were already there, but you just didn't yeah. – You just, our eyes weren't open. Get a rag. we got to clean this up. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it's nice, I think, for people to hear – I think it's really great for people to hear like – you know, even if you're going through a rough time, and it feels like this is a forever thing, that there are things, there are steps that you can take, and yeah. you're
3: not as much necessarily a victim of the universe as you think you are. You know, the, the and, and it empowers you. Just the beginnings of that kind of thought empowers you. So, you know, if you get, you know, you're having trouble, you get fired, and you go, "Oh my God, I got fired. Where Am I gonna go to work?" Yeah. Assume that you may maybe were released from that last position, so you could find the place where you're really gonna be able to do something you love. I mean, I think
0: you know, with I'm sure with a few exceptions, but if you kind of look back at all of the major, (laughs) every time you got unhired by Robert Zemeckis, or every time, like in my case, I lost a job, or you know, like I lost a relationship, or I lost you know something. When you look back, and then you sort of see, like, oh yeah, but if I had done that. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't, you know, like this is pretty okay yeah, where this, I am and maybe no maybe a gift. I don't or I've looked back on things that I thought would have been the best jobs in the world and gone, "Oh my god, I dodged a bullet." That would have been that would have been horrible yeah. to have that would have been a terrible path to go down, but I just I didn't see it at the time because I was too caught up in my own you know, sense of oh, I must have this for some reason,
3: whats that old line about more tears are shed for answered prayers than unanswered <laughs> ones <you know? laughs> that's a great quote yeah <laughs> i don't remember, I don't know who's or why maybe it may have been Truman Capote, I'm not sure you know there's more prayers than there's more tears shed for answered prayers <laughs> than there are for unanswered ones
0: <laughs> i no so we've we've talked about all these great bra- these great philosophical things that we've experienced, but but then you mentioned something like I had dinner with George Gobel, Flip Wilson,
3: and, and Orson Welles. I'm like, what was that dinner like? What was that dinner like? Well, the dinner was just Orson awesome after the show and all. But you know, but I worked with with, with everybody that you just mentioned. You know, and, and did Flip Wilson's show and all. It's just amazing. There's a part of me that, that 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 has never stopped being a little boy from Bennington, Nebraska. There's a part of me that I mean, last night I did a show with Christopherson and you know and Steve Cropper and and uh, Bonnie Raitt. And all. We did the this thing for the the Grammy Foundation. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I mean, and I I did a movie with Chris years ago. We did Stars Born together. Yeah. I, you know, I wrote, people said weren't you nervous writing songs for Streisand? Yeah, but I was really nervous writing songs for Chris Christopherson, the guy that wrote Sunday Morning Coming Down and Me and Bobby McGee. And I mean, to, for the good times. I mean, to this day, I walk into a room and I look over and I see Bonnie Raitt. I see Chris Christofferson, and part of me, there's a, they don't hear it, but something deep inside me goes, Wow, look at your life. Look <laughs> who that, there's a real writer over there.
0: <laughs> well, I said this, I said, it's funny you say that because I said the exact same thing when I was walking into this building. I was like, I have the craziest life that I'm just going to go up and talk to Paul Williams, a, a guy that I'm kind of pals with now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That when I was growing
3: up, If you had told me that, I would have been like, oh, come on. What? You're crazy. What do you mean? Well, I'll go one step past it. When you said talked about the energy the two people bring together and the creative process, you talked about you and I. I went, okay, what could we do together? Because we could do, I mean, I, you know, I would be willing to bet you put us you know, away in a, in, a, in a cabin for about four days and we'll come up with the funniest idea for a movie ever. Uh, I would fucking love to do that.
0: You're on. Uh, I would love to do that. I want to write weird songs. I want, just want to write weird songs. Ishtar 2 with songs. <laughs> <laughs> Ishtar 2. There we go. Got the movie that never got the sequel it deserved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: really funny Just to pick Anytime movie. you want to do Something together all You know how to reach me You have my phone You have like And we are friends And all, all you gotta do Chris is pick up the phone I would love to do that Oh my god I'm so I'm flustered I'm, Okay that I would love to do that In a that. heartbeat
0: In a heartbeat love to do that um, And then you all Oh man That's And so John John's here. You're, this is John. John Lee
3: Sanders, who's a brilliant musician and a great friend and all, and uh, he played with me last night and all, so did you want us to... Uh, I would love that. Yeah, John and I were talking a little bit before you got here, because there's all these guitars on the wall. We're
0: at ASCAP right now, and there's all these guitars on the wall next to the piano, and you, you saw Adobe you saw... Uh, did your, your brother wrote. Uh... My
3: brother wrote Drift Away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift to. I mean, That's a it's pretty a pretty insane song a, to write. It's a rock and roll anthem, are you kidding? I keep saying to him, Are you sure I wasn't in the room when that bridge really sounds like me? And he was, Get away from me, you, you <laughs> little bastard. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, and he wrote it and produced it for Dobie Gray. And then, of course, it was a big hit with, with Uncle Cracker recently, too, you know. So, yeah, he's a good songwriter. He wrote To Win. We make love for for Alabama. Really, when, when he writes a song, make has four syllables in it. Make love. <laughs> well, uh,
0: John's here, and we had talked about when you know when I heard that you were coming back into town, I was like, oh, we got to get Paul back on the podcast. I wonder if he would do a song or two. And then uh, and so they said well, he's up for it. What do you what do you like? And I said I said. Like I said earlier in the podcast, Rainbow Connection gets a lot of love, and deservedly so, but I'm Going to Go Back There
3: Someday is one of my all-time favorite songs. And they said, well, that is also one of Paul's favorite songs. Well, here's the story behind it. It's an interesting story because we looked, you know, Kenny Asher and I were writing the songs for the for the Muppet movie, and there's a scene in this Muppet movie where where they're all trying to make it to Hollywood. All the Muppets are gathered together. They're on the road to Hollywood, and they break down in the middle of the desert. And, and Kermit is feeling like, I have just failed everybody i have failed everybody and he's he's just you know he's lost in in his in his own you know regret and sadness. what am i going to do to help these people but gonzo who is a landlocked bird and again we're all landlocked birds i think (laughs) gonzo is out there looking at the sky and kenny and i went what is it like for this little guy who is a landlocked bird to look at the heavens like that so john you want to play a little intro to that and so kenny and i Kenny and I are thinking about this. We're imagining Gonzo looking at the sky. This looks familiar, vaguely familiar. Almost unreal yet, it's too soon to feel yet close to my soul yet so far away i'm going to go back there someday sunrises night falls sometimes the sky calls is that a song there and do i belong there i've never been there But I know the way I'm going to go back there someday Come and go with me It's more fun to share We'll both be completely at home in midair We're flying, not walking On featherless wings We can hold on to love Like invisible Strains There's not a word yet For old friends Who just met Part heaven Part space Have I found my place You can just Visit But I plan to stay I'm going to go Back there someday I am going to go back there someday yes! <laughs> so, And little you know and the funny thing about the, about the song is is that Kenny and I wrote the song and then went to Jim Hansen because there was no place for the song in the movie, and he said no. He said, "I, I, I don't think so." I said, "You know what? Just listen to it one more time," and you listen to it. And he's, he th- it was quiet for a minute, and I thought, well, it's all over. And then he said, what if we do a scene in, th- in, the, fa- in the fair scene where Gonzo buys some balloons, and he gets to experience flight, helium balloons. He buys too many for Camilla, his girlfriend. Yep. And <laughs> so he experiences flight, and rather than being frightened by it, he loves being up there. So we have something that is tangible for the people in the audience, the kids. in there. He didn't say the kids in the audience. He never asked of me to write for kids. Never write down to the audience But the audience will have There was this tangible moment Where we can see Gonzo connect with Well, I I've never been there But I know the way I'm going to go back there someday At Jim's funeral we played that And, uh, okay. and I'll never forget that, that, that moment of him Jumping into the creative process And instead of saying no Saying here's a way to do something really special Where people get it Where people
0: get it. That was incredible. I mean, so you know, people just listening, they they might go, "Wow, that's but to actually just be here and watch it happen."
3: This was that moment where I'm like, "I don't
0: am I? Is it okay that I'm here?" Like, it's (laughs) such an it was
3: gorgeous. Gorgeous, you know. And if 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 it's gorgeous and and it's you know, and if you and you you know. And I can stand next to you and say that it that it that it's wonderful too. What I then do is I do the I, I have to kind of head upstream and find out what what's the headwaters of that wonderful what and and the headwaters of that are in Jim Henson. You know, it's just because I'm writing for Gonzo, which was this amazing creation of he and Gon- of you know of of Dave Golds and and Jim, the opportunity that Jim Henson gave the people who worked for him to flourish. You know, when I wrote the songs for the Muppet movie with Kenny Asher, I'd, at the first meeting, I told Jim Henson, "I'll, I'll show you. I won't, I won't surprise you with these." As Kenny and I are working on the songs, we'll show them to you to make sure we're on the right track. And Jim said, "Oh no, no, that's not necessary. I'll hear them in the re- in the studio when we record them." <laughs> and I went, "Oh my God! I mean, I've t- I've never in my life been given that kind of creative freedom." And uh, it just says about what how much he trusted his choices, you know.
0: Well, that's an amazing place to get to because it's very it's very hard not to second guess yourself. Oh, is this the right thing? You know, to yeah. get that level of comfort.
3: Yeah. But the trust of, of gratitude, trust. Yeah, Gra- gratitude and gratitude,
0: trust. trust. I, I know
3: that. Uh, so on Twitter, you're your I M the letter I the yeah. letter M Paul Williams at, at I M Paul Williams. The Twitter for for gratitude and trust is at gratitude trust. Mm-hmm. The website is www.gratitudeandtrust.com you know what Tracy Jackson and I are doing is is trying to take what the, that feeling that you uh-huh. and I just experienced about this you know this wonderful surprise of being able to stand here and and listen to something and and rather than claim it and tie it down as ours to see it reflecting back to the all, all the things we've been given that energy is so constructive and so powerful and that's what we're trying to put into the book, and what we're trying to put in the work we're doing. Uh, it'll be out on, on Penguin in October, in September. And I hope people will respond well to it. It's about it's about recognizing the gifts we're all given, and being grateful, and trusting that when when the time comes, you'll have what you need. Well, I am more than grateful that we got to sit down and talk again, and this was
0: fantastic. And we will do. We're you're gonna be sorry you said that because I'm gonna no, be no, emailing no, we, like uh, oh what well, can we do this can oh now we, this? we have a
3: responsibility because they all know about it so <laughs> yes, now we, we have we're to, accountable to, now we're now accountable so yeah. you know but but won't it be fun to chase it it will be and yeah. I thank you so much Paul Williams I'm gonna give you a hug I'm you're, coming in for you, a hug uh, you it's are good to see you, man. you are a gift to, and uh, uh, love to all of your your listeners and and uh, the response has been spectacular in the past I hope we didn't screw it up this time no I think I think we did, I think we did a nice <laughs> job thanks so much Chris <laughs> enjoy everyone. you doing it now. What? You should be it. Me, me? Yeah. All on, we go. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute joy to bring you Chris Hardwick. I'm
0: going to screw up the bridge part. Oh, I'll help you. Okay. 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 okay.
3: This may be the perfect version of it. You you take the first verse. Okay, where do I come in? Right here? Right here. This looks familiar Vaguely familiar Almost unreal yet It's too soon to feel yet Close to my soul Yet so far away I'm going to go back there someday
0: Sun rises, night falls
3: Sometimes the sky calls Is that a song there? And do I belong there? I've never been there But I know the way I'm going to go back back there someday Come and go with me it's more fun to share. We'll both be completely at home in midair. Because we're flying, mm-hmm. not walking, mm-hmm. on featherless wings. Mm-hmm. We can hold on to love mm-hmm. like
0: invisible mm-hmm. string, strings.
3: I messed that up, sorry. Uh, no, it wasn't messed up. That was perfect, because now we get to go, there's not a word yet. For all friends who've just met, like us, part heaven, part part space, or have I found my place? You can just visit, but I plan to stay. I'm I'm going going to go back there someday. What? I'm I'm going going to... to go back. Incidentally, that was the version we were supposed to do from the very beginning. (laughs)
0: Oh,
3: thank you so much. I love you. I love you
0: too. I messed up that one word, but it's
3: it's like the, the Native Americans would sew, you know, a, a wrong thread into a rug. Sew, yeah, you know, because an homage to the homage to Oh, nothing should know, be perfect. Nothing should be perfect. That's great. But, that's the one you got to play. You think so? Oh, absolutely. Oh, forget about mine, Jim. You can even tell them to say, we, you know, he did one, but but this is the one that he asked me Okay. But you know what? The the raw emotion of what we just did is the song. Okay. The other ones were me trying to recreate what just happened.
0: Oh, man, that's awesome. I'm so blown away. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: man. Now
1: leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
0: This episode of Nerdist is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store for a free trial and 10%. (laughs) Go to Squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST1.